This is the Teacher Mindset Coach Podcast, episode number 32. Hey, teachers, welcome to the podcast where we do the hard work to uplevel ourselves and have fun along the way. I'm your host, Ashley Wolf, and I'm here to help you rock your world with mindset stories, strategies, and skills that you've probably never been taught before. Let's do the damn thing. Hello, everyone. I hope you are well. And if you are in the land of standardized testing, I hope you are through it, over it, but not drowning in it. I was fortunate enough to be a hallway monitor and a reliever of teachers who needed a break during our STAR testing week here in Texas. This means a lot of standing around, walking around, giving deer-in-the-headlights looks through classroom windows until I received the thumbs up from teachers and lots of silent or muffled knee-slapping laughter with my fellow auxiliary teachers in the hallways or front office. And lots of hurdle. Have y'all heard of hurdle? H-E-R, no, H-E-A-R-D-L-E dot com. It's like Wordle, but it's name that tune with like pop music. Oh, 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 and lots, I would be remiss if I didn't say, lots of serious looks as I press the button on the walkie-talkie and say, on my way, as if I'm Black Widow in the Avengers, about to kick some serious ass on these session IDs that don't effing work. <laughs> you see, I absolutely love testing season and testing days for a lot of reasons. It wasn't always this way for me, but now that I have mastered the art of truly not taking most things seriously to the point of making myself sick, I can take a wholesome step back, even if only in my mind, and let myself breathe a bit. Not to mention, have some fun. And when this happens, I'm allowing myself to enjoy the moment, whether I'm hyper-focused on solving a problem or hyper-focused on trying to make someone laugh their ass off. I loosen the reins on myself and those around me so we can just be in the moment. Then we can laugh at it. (laughs) One of the qualities of testing days that I have become fond of is the stretches of time with seemingly nothing to do but walk small, slow circles while looking at students for just long enough to know that they're still working on their test, but not long enough to look like I'm reading the test questions or helping them out. No, no. These stretches of time and silence get me into my creative brain. The only thing I can really listen to for so long are my own thoughts. The literal and figurative noise is taken away, and I'm left with my thoughts, and my brain goes crazy with ideas. So many ideas that I either have to talk with someone about them or write them down as soon as testing is over. I love the idea machine that is between my ears. And this week, I'll be sharing one of my big ideas that came out from testing. It's called the Fun Committee. And this episode is part one of the Fun Committee, which lays the foundation of why we need such things in the first place. But... Before I move on, have you gone to my Teachers Pay Teacher store and followed me yet? No? (gasps) 
head over to Teachers Pay Teachers. I don't even need to tell you what the website is because I basically just did. Search Teacher Mindset Coach, click follow, and get my freebies while you're at it. Thank you for the support. So this episode will go into the foundation of why I want to form a fun committee on my campus and why I think fun is so important for people, especially educators. Next week, part two of this little series will be more about how, like the how, how you can establish a fun committee on your own campus for the benefit of you, of course, and your staff. In short, the fun committee is a group of teachers and staffers who plans fun stuff for the entire year throughout the year. I think every school should have one because I believe in the importance of consistent opportunities for bonding through having fun for teachers and staff who work together 10 months out of the year. I found an interesting New York Times article about having fun written by Catherine Price, who is the author of The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again. The article and thrift books listing for this book are both linked in the show notes. But of course, you can always just go to your favorite search engine as if there's anything other than Google and search The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again, and you'll find a lot of hits. Price wrote this article in December of 2021 to promote her book, and she reiterates the importance of fun even in a pandemic. This makes me think of my stance on the importance of fun even during testing season <laughs> or even during like high stress times of the school year. We are not robots. We are not machines. We are not miracle workers. And even though this almost seems like a cliche saying anymore, teachers are humans. And to me, fun is a state of humanness, right? That brings relief and relief is sweet. Price brings up a great point in her article when she says, quote, true fun materializes when we experience the confluence of three psychological states, playfulness, connection, and flow. So the article has some amazing explanations of these three qualities, and I'm going to go into that and what I think this means for teachers and what our opportunities are. I know this will spark something in you too, if you allow it. Playfulness is described by Price as the ability to be lighthearted and experiencing pleasure in everyday activities, whether planned or unplanned. She says that people who are open to being playful or lighthearted actually manage stress better than their more serious counterparts. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm already imagining the faces of some of my coworkers and friends who aren't teachers and from my past and my present who are so serious that they're stressed. It seems like they're stressed all the time. And I feel for them because I want them to have fun in their lives. But I also have to remind myself that one, their life is not my life to manage. And two, I actually have no idea how serious or not serious they are. This is all just a theory in my mind about them. So checking myself when I have thoughts about others and reminding myself that their thoughts are none of my beeswax is really important here. So how can teachers be more playful? 
I'll never forget the year that I made the move from being a first grade teacher all the way up to fifth grade. To say I was excitedly frightened shit out of my mind was an understatement. I mean, this was probably only after maybe six years of teaching, maybe seven years of teaching that I was making this move from first grade to fourth uh, to fifth grade. And at that time, the only grades I had taught were kinder first and second. So I was foregoing the third grade and the fourth grade teaching experienced straight up to fifth grade. I actually thought like truly that those fifth graders were going to string me up and eat me alive. And before my last school year as a first grade teacher was over, I was talking to the fifth grade teacher who was leaving the classroom at that time, who I was taking the place of. And I'll never forget the words of wisdom that she told me that I carry with me to this day. She said, don't lose your sense of humor. Now, if you know me personally, you might be inclined to think that I was just born with this innate ability to make myself and others laugh. To a degree, that is true. Being raised by two jokesters as parents, it was a super easy act to follow. But that phrase, don't lose your sense of humor, was now helping me take a poignant look at my attitude in the classroom. I was about to be a tax grade teacher, okay, by moving up to fifth grade. I mean, we're talking high stakes. This shit was serious, y'all. But Miss Smith's ingenious advice popped up day after day after day once that fifth grade school year started. And I found myself being confronted with scenarios and situations where I could either be serious or silly or maybe like a mixture of both. And when the chance to be silly was an option, I got better and better at taking that road instead of the serious one where nothing was funny. In retrospect, and with self-forgiveness for sure, I know that I could have done a better job of being lighthearted that year, or even this past year. I mean, gosh, there's times when I'm like, gosh, why was I so serious about that? But I know how much this tiny piece of advice, don't lose your sense of humor, has guided me as a teacher, librarian, co-worker, and friend. Playfulness in the teaching world could be as easy as planning lessons that inspire you to show up and have fun while you teach. We all know very well that when a teacher is having fun, the students will too. We are still leading by example. There's some opportunity here to also be an example of when we have to turn down the volume on the silliness and turn up the volume on the seriousness. It's like a balancing act, but those two qualities don't always have to be polar opposites, not in my mind. The visual that I get of polar opposites is like a teeter-totter on the playground. When one end is up, the other end is down. And like they can be completely, you know, level, equal, or a mixture of in-between. I don't think that silliness and serious have to be or have to follow this type of relationship though. To me, it's more like the levels on an audio mixer with like different heights of the bars all changing from small to medium, back down to small, then right up to high. It's constantly changing, just like the classroom experience is. 
So how could you create more opportunities to experience silliness or playfulness and seriousness in your day, week, month, semester, or school year? If you leave it to chance, you know what'll happen? There's a big chance it won't happen. And I'm talking like intentional, planned, fun times. (laughs) When we're stressed and all we think we see is a mountain of work to be done or else, we set aside the fun or we fail to make it a reality. And it's because we don't, we might not. I mean, I don't know about you. We might not see the value in fun as much as the value in what hard work should look like. And y'all, I didn't bring my soapbox in here, but my kindergarten teachers, my pre-K teachers, my early childhood, my first grade teachers, especially, I mean, y'all know that play is a kid's job. So this is kind of what I'm saying here is that if we don't intentionally plan for some playfulness, it can be easily tossed by the wayside or shoved into the corner because our serious brain does not find the value in it anymore, or we're afraid that those observing us won't find the value of it anymore. And I've totally gone off script. You know what I want to say to that? People not finding the value in play anymore? F that. Anyway, okay, back to the script. Here we go. (laughs) So when we're stressed and all we think we see is a mountain of work to be done or else, We set aside the fun or we fail to make it a reality. And then we are more susceptible, in my opinion, to burnout, giving up, being frustrated and overwhelmed, and thinking that leaving is the answer to our negative emotions or negative experience. Leaving might not be the answer to our discomfort, whether it's leaving your team, leaving your grade level, leaving your campus, or leaving education. It might not be the answer to your discomfort. Let that simmer for a a little bit. The truth is our thoughts and beliefs about our state of things is what creates any feeling under the sun, including the feeling of burnout and overwhelm. So be serious about your silliness and put that shit in your lesson plans. Catherine Price also moves on to the topic of connection in her article, which I think is paramount for educators to feel strong connections with their coworkers and the kids too. But this is about the adults. As you already know about me by now, if I'm I'm here for the adults, the kids have plenty of help. You go on Teachers Pay Teachers and search like mental health or social emotional uh, learning, SEL, All of the lesson plans are for students and that's fine, but my position is I want to help the teachers. I'm here for the teachers. And I think I'm probably one of the only ones. I challenge you to find another Teachers Pay Teacher store where the actual lesson plans or the actual worksheets or workbooks or materials are for teachers to use for the benefit of themselves. I'm on a mission to help teachers with themselves. The byproduct is your students will, of course, grow and learn and benefit from your work on yourself. Another side note, but it's really important. So connection is 
feeling a bond with others. Connection is a precursor to showing vulnerability and being your authentic self. Connection is the quality of the proverbial bridge that we build between ourselves and someone else. Strong, sturdy, true connections between anyone, family members, friends, partners, coworkers, are what makes the troubled waters below those bridges, aka the stress of life, seem like nothing but lovely scenery. For teachers, I see the fun committee as an opportunity to intentionally get coworkers to have fun together, de-stress together, and simply get to know one another. Something I've noticed on different campuses I've worked at over the years is that, like an example, a teacher will ask me who another teacher is after they pass in the hall. And since I'm the librarian, I believe that I can get to know anyone because I'm a campus servant. Like I have a, I have permission to go, you know, get to know anybody on campus that I want. That's kind of what I tell myself. And it's my duty. Like I need to know all of these people I work with. I'm here for all the teachers and staff, but I think it's a missed opportunity for teachers not to know one another on a personal level, just because they don't share a grade level curriculum or a hallway. We share a building And more importantly, we share the students, like we share a common purpose. We all have our impact on our students and they have their impact on us. And with strong connections between teachers, the students benefit as a byproduct. And I like to predict teacher turnover is greatly decreased. Damn it. If it gets harder and harder to think about leaving when I actually have friends and fun where I work. And I'd be remiss if I didn't include my two cents on what connection is actually made of. I know you were waiting for this moment. Here it goes. Drum roll, please. The quality of our feeling of connection with another person is made up of our collection of thoughts and beliefs about them. Let me say this again. The quality of our feeling of connection with another person is made up of our collection of thoughts and beliefs about them. Connection is all in our minds, in other words. If we have thoughts and beliefs about a coworker that aren't favorable, of course our connection to them will suffer. The opposite is that the thoughts and beliefs about coworkers that are strong, resilient, and positive will foster an undeniable feeling of connection with that person. Our connection with others is only our responsibility. It starts with our thoughts, but the fun committee certainly can help create opportunities to start forming those thoughts and beliefs about others. The caveat and our personal responsibility, if we choose to accept it, is that we can always second guess less favorable thoughts and beliefs about others in the name of giving them another chance to find their way into our hearts or not. Be an asshole. It's always up to you. (laughs) So this brings us to the third psychological state that Catherine Price explains in her article, which is flow. She says flow is, quote, being fully engaged and focused, often to the point that you lose track of time. So we all have different preferences and activities that get us into this state of flow, They can be arts, crafts, reading, conversation, meditation, travel, writing, playing games, daydreaming, goal setting, 
or even just brainstorming. There are countless ways to get yourself into a state of flow where the prefrontal cortex is fully engaged. We are at our peak in these times, I like to believe. Interestingly, Price explains that there are forms of junk flow where we are absent-mindedly performing a task or partaking in an activity that has a net negative result. Binge-watching shows or absent-mindedly scrolling social media with no end in sight are examples of this junk flow because the brain goes into this hypnotized state where we really aren't creating, we're just consuming. And the byproduct of this mindlessness is, in my opinion, strengthening the neural pathways that form a habit of being in a state of hypnosis with no real meaning or value attached to what we are watching on the screen. These activities, however, are reinforced by how socially acceptable it is to spend hours of our life doing. Think about it. No one ever brags, at least not in my circles, of how they just chain smoke cigarettes all weekend long, man. Why do we not brag about this? Because there's a net negative result of, you know, declining health associated with such activity. But we are allowed and often encouraged by society at large and our little small friendship circles to brag about how we spend our entire weekend binge watching a show or scrolling socials. For me personally, my neural pathway of creation and productivity runs so deep that I couldn't possibly see the positive in spending a weekend in a state of hypnosis. But hey, that's just me. This is all about you. If you felt a little twinge of something, maybe defensiveness when the binge watch or shame when the binge watching or binge scrolling topic came up just now, pause and question it with your investigative skills, okay? Not your self-judgment skills. Do you want to continue with that use of your time? Why or why not? The simple answer that you come up with could lead you to some simple truths that you want for yourself. Act on those truths and you'll probably love your results. So flow for teachers can take so many different forms, as I explained earlier. And my stance is that teachers should take account and ownership of what really lights their fire, gets them passionate, and gets them in a state of flow on and off the job. Getting closer to what you want more of in your life is what I talked about in episode 29 just a few weeks ago. It's called aligning with your desires. So go take a listen and go through those steps. Maybe you love incorporating dramatic play or crafting into your lessons. Do it. Maybe you love teaching students how to use technology to show a deeper level of understanding through something they create. Do it. But what if these things that get a teacher into a state of flow aren't written into the curriculum? You know what I say? Do it anyway. You are benefiting yourself and your students. The reward is worth the risk of you possibly feeling uncomfortable or nervous when your admin asks you what you're doing. You know what the answer is? We're having fun while learning. You want to join us? Because you know they do. So to recap, fun is described by Catherine Price as a culmination of three psychological states. Notice it's all in your brain. Playfulness, connection, and flow. 
All of these are available to all of us. So don't lie to yourself and be like, well, I can't have fun at my campus. That is a damn lie. You can. You can. Don't give in to any excuse that your brain offers up to you to avoid the discomfort of being found out that you're having fun. (laughs) My idea is to create a fun committee for the staff at my campus next school year. And I've already started telling people about it as if it's already a freaking reality. That is how I roll. That's how I play, connect, and flow. By living out loud, gathering my peeps around me, and having a freaking blast no matter where I am. Because even if it doesn't help with staff retention or satisfaction at work on the survey, at least I will have had the time of my life doing it. Next week, I'll take you through the steps to forming your own fun committee. And it all starts with naming yourself as the president. Talk to you next week. Bye. If you got something out of today's show, I invite you to subscribe so you never miss a future episode. I'd also love to see you in the Teacher Mindset Coach Facebook group so we can nerd out on mindset work as a community of badass teachers. And remember, you can always email me at coachwithwolf, W-O-L-F-E, at gmail.com. Now go be awesome. See you next time.